Hello and welcome to our podcast from Capita Customer Management in which we look at how the customer experience and customer journey are evolving. Today we're joined around the table by Joe Way, who's Regional Head of Continuous Improvement and Quality. Joe, hi. Hello. Thanks very much for coming. Thank and you so much. Also Charlie Whitworth, who's Service Design and Delivery Director. Charlie, hi. hi. Um, today it's the turn of the retail sector, uh, in which you are a power team who work collaboratively <laughs> In helping retail clients uh, towards a better customer experience. It's going to be great talking to you. Looking forward to it. Um, Now, we wanted to come on to some of the specific challenges that uh, the retail sector faces, but I wondered, first of all, just to ask the two of you, um, what do you see as having been the biggest changes in customer behaviour in recent years? Where have you seen customer expectations of the experience they should have and the delivery they should have? How have you seen those really shift and how has that impacted retailers in the world beyond? So I think for me, I, I think one of the big shifts is the increase in customers demanding convenience. Yep. So something like um, 50% of customers now expect to be able to uh, buy same-day delivery yeah. um, and the move to um, being able to return goods automatically at no cost um, without any inconvenience. I think it's that convenience that is really driving that. That's just become part of the experience expectations. I mean, exactly. is that what you found? As well? It is. I think that y- you've almost got two types of models coexisting. So you've yeah. got the, the need of the customer who wants the frictionless experience. Yeah. I just want the Amazon. I need it now. Yeah. I don't want to talk to anybody. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've almost got the Airbnb experience, which is I want personalization. I want you to know me. I want you to do everything you can to make it special for me. So the the customer wants everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now. And now. And trying to deal with those two different types. And then in the middle, unfortunately, you've got that group of customers who may not be computer literate, who aren't used to the Amazon, who don't feel comfortable with that. And for some of our older generation, that call to a contact centre is the one call they may have that day. And it's being able to identify and have that conversation and make them feel just that little bit special. So retailers, they're dealing with probably a broader audience than ever before in terms of their expectations, their capabilities, the technology they have, they can access, and then what they expect to come back in forms of service. Uh, Did that catch retailers by surprise, do you think? Has the acceleration of that really made them rethink? Or are they on top of it, do you think? And what changes are they making in order to stay on top of it? I think the retailers who are on top of it are probably the new entrants to the market, so they don't have the legacy. So you think of some of the the bigger retailers who've been around since long before we were children, they have a massive legacy of people, of property, of systems that may not be able to keep up. And the speed and the pace of the technology change means that every time they think they're up to date, something new's come along. Um, and they look to some of those newer entrants and think, how, how do we reach that level? Um, so I don't think it's took them by surprise. I think they saw it coming, yeah. but that speed of reaction and the ability to, to react at that level of speed is sometimes not as easy for the bigger retailers. Yeah. Charlie, what do you see? I mean, I think it's an interesting point, isn't it? And I, and I think um, some of the uh, longer-standing retailers are tending to look to try and copy what some of the new entrants are doing rather than innovate themselves. Yeah. So they're constantly playing catch-up rather than perhaps yeah. sometimes thinking, actually, what's the next thing that we should be trying to do to get ahead of the game? 
And that's, that's probably one of the biggest difficulties they've got because they've got, of course, legacy systems, uh, legacy, legacy infrastructure, and it's much harder to kind of move that, that type of uh, infrastructure than it would be for a new entrant to start up brand new with new equipment, yeah. new, new yeah. uh, software, etc. How about things like Black Friday and peak periods, which they have to, they have to deal with? I mean, there uh, always were peak periods. There was always Christmas. Yes. But it just seems to have gone crazy in recent years. I, I heard somebody say recently they're twice as high and twice as short. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the difficulty for a traditional retailer is the expectation of the customer. Well, I've seen it in the US, therefore why aren't we doing it in the UK? And when we do do it in the UK, are the opportunities big enough? And from trying to service that, it becomes very difficult because the the speed to competency of getting somebody to a level that they can properly provide customer service takes time and investment, and you're making an investment for such a short window of time, yeah. 10 days sometimes. Yeah. But the customer's expectations remain the same on Black Friday as they do on every other day of Does the year. Does that mean as a retailer you prepare earlier and earlier yes. in the year for that? Yeah. For, for some of the major retail clients that we work with, they're already starting to think about peak by February yeah. of, the pre- of that year. And have you seen that come back? Absolutely. Each year it gets earlier yeah. and earlier. Yeah. yeah. Because they, they have to think differently each year and yeah. almost look at, so what worked last year? What didn't yeah. work well? What would we want to do differently? And how are we going to approach it differently? To Charlie's point, we need to help, we help them to think slightly more innovatively, go, this didn't work. Have we thought yeah. of trying it this way next time? Yeah. How does technology fit into that? I mean, is it, is it still difficult to, to work with uh, when peaks come along or are there real advantages that can technology can offer? Well, I think one of the things I was just thinking about there actually is the, the other aspect, and I think Black Friday kind of brings it out, is customers expect personalised discounts yeah. much more and more. And Black Friday, I think, has really heightened that expectation of significant discounts, really good bargains. Um, and that, I think that's where technology can come in to try and tailor the bargains, the discounts to particular customers or customer groups so that it isn't a one-size-fits-all for every customer group. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to understand your customers and do that kind of analysis so we know what type of customer is expecting what type of discount or offer or product um, can really help, help retailers focus in on their, um, their resources. Yeah, yeah. But in that yeah. very digital world, when you're working with technology and you're, you're working with customers online, how do you preserve the brand? Because your contact points are sort of being eroded, aren't they, by by customers comparing lots of things online, and uh, they've got half a dozen tabs over at the same time. They're checking prices. So, what do retailers do to make sure their brand still cuts through and stays in the omnichannel experience? I think where the customer is solely digital and doesn't interact with the brand, it's more about the offering, the price points, and some of those those key statements, whether it's never unknowingly undersold yeah. or, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Where the customer makes contact, it's about making sure that every contact reflects the brand, irrespective yeah. of whether that's through SMS, through web chat, through email, through voice, even through the, the IVR and, and digital assistance the customer should always know that they're still speaking to the same brand and there shouldn't be a degradation by talking to a machine instead of a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's more than just announcing the name of the company, isn't it? It is. That's tone of language, that's the way you communicate. I mean, how how do retailers stay on top of that and how does Capita help them stay on top of that? I think one of the things that we do is constantly help them hone that tone of voice. Mm -hmm. So 
if we do put something into a new channel, we use our people to help us evolve the tone of voice. Yeah. So we'll, we'll use our, our experts, our people who are on the front line, who spend the time talking to the customers, listening to the language that the machines are saying, that the, the FAQs or the web chat is, yeah. is using, and actually tailor some of that language. And the check-in and the constant monitoring that we do in the background so the quality of those interactions mm. not only do we look at are we servicing the customer in the right way giving them the right information but is our tone of voice consistent are we always trying to go that extra mile um, are we creating the human connection because if they've come through to us and to talk to a human being then there's a reason yeah yeah so you're keeping that brand alive in the background all yes. the time at every human touch point yeah easier to do with people than with technology do you think I mean, you know, we are looking at technology in the future where you're going to have voice-activated purchasing and chatbots and not web chat quite so much, but all that AI stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so is the human still the secret to keeping the brand alive or do you think there are ways of doing that with technology as well? I think it's something about bringing uh, a blend of the two and making yeah. sure that they're, they're both presenting a consistent sort of brand image. I mean, I was just thinking there as, as you were talking about yeah, how our... Um, agents are dealing with customers and providing that, that kind of consistent voice. We need to make sure it's consistent on the on our clients' websites. Yes, making yeah. sure that they have the same look and feel and they're giving the same messages. And the same as we introduce more and more kind of technology like AI and that sort of uh, type of thing. Um, it's it's about maintaining that consistency across all of it. Is there any of that that work that AI work which has excited you? You've seen it and you've thought. Yeah, there are some really great possibilities here. I can see how the retail sector could be using this. I can see how we, we could introduce it to them and get some great benefits for them. Yeah. I think the, the digital assistants that some of our retail clients use are proving to be very useful support functions to the customers who don't necessarily need to talk to a human being because yeah. it's not a complex query. Um, but going back to Charlie's point, the, the artificial intelligence, the AI, is only as good as the human who programs it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm which is where by using the human being to constantly hone the voice that the digital assistant uses, you make sure it stays on brand. Yeah. Um, there is one really, I think, quite exciting piece of uh, technology which we're beginning to introduce now into our contact centres, which is uh, real-time voice analytics. So yeah. this is an AI product which actually sits and listens to the call that our advisors are having and prompt them make sure they're providing that consistent message, something they may have forgotten to mention, yeah. so they may detect that the customer is getting agitated, so to help the advisor provide that consistent and supportive kind of conversation. Yeah. That, I think, is really interesting if, technology. If you were talking to retailers right now and saying, look, here are the two or three things I see on the horizon in terms of either technology or challenges you think are coming along, I think is this is what you should be looking at right now. What would they be in terms of looking out for possibilities in the future that they could seize? I think, for me, one of the things is, is that continuing that theme of actually blending the digital with the personal. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, Salesforce is suggesting that 87% of customers start their purchase online. They look online for something. Yeah. But they actually prefer to, or a lot of them prefer to deal in person, actually, in stores. So it's how do you create that same seamless experience? How do you yeah. pick a customer up who's starting online and then support them when they come into store so they, they feel supported and it's not a, a brand new experience for them? 
and, and different experience in the store compared with online. So are there new ways of bringing all those touch points together? You've got in-store, you've got online, you've got... Is there a continuity that you see now that the retailers are striving harder to maintain through all of those experiences and all those brand contacts? I think they're trying. They're trying. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think everybody's heard the different buzzwords where it's multi-channel, omni-channel, any channel, any. there have yeah. been any number of, of different words. The customer doesn't care. The customer yes. just wants to make... It, the customer wants to be able to purchase what they want, where they want. And what we've seen probably five years ago is customers trying to be forced into a channel. And what retailers are now starting to identify is you can't force the channel. What you can do is provide the seamless. Um, That would probably be the biggest sort of piece on the horizon is is how to stitch together the digital experience, the chatbot, right the way through so that when you do have to speak to the human being, the human can see exactly where you've been, they can see the problems that you've had, and they almost know how to fix your problem before... You start to talk. So one continuous conversation all the way through. You haven't got to give your name and your security details seven times over because you talk to seven different departments. And it's, it's, it's that seamless because the customer doesn't differentiate anymore between the contact channel. It's only us. Yeah. That do that. Without naming names, um, do you see people who are currently doing this really well and others who maybe need to catch up a bit but are there any outliers out there who are, who are just really showing everybody else the way to do this i mean i think um w- uh, one name i think we all probably recognize amazon yeah. and, and they are doing it very well yeah. um uh, when you when you go online when you ring them up when you web chat with them it's exactly the same conversation they can all see the conversation that happened previously they are, you know they have got that you know very well as you might expect yeah. um i think there are others out there as well who are doing really good work um, and others who need to spend some time catching up, I guess. Um, um, Amazon, it's easy in a way, isn't it? It's one shop, all in one place. Mm. They know everything there is. Uh, what else can retailers learn from them in trying to bring their data together and pr- trying to bring all the analytics together so they have some of the similar experiences and advantages that, uh, that Amazon has? I think Amazon will always argue that they're a software and a platform company first, yeah. whereas the retailers are shopkeepers. Yeah. And they have that legacy yeah. set of values in their head. Which is good in many yes. ways. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think there are lots of things that our retailers, both large and small, can learn. The benefits that Amazon has, now they have the scale, is that software capabilities. And we see some of the smaller, more innovative retailers able to, to keep up and, and start to innovate themselves. It's yeah. the bigger ones, I think, that it creates more of a challenge for because of the, the size of their infrastructure behind them and their legacy. It's, it's, it's what we've grown up with. Yeah. So we talked about the challenges and the shifting horizons and how customer behaviours are altering all the time. Um, let's talk about the business outcomes. I mean, these this is great, great insights, but what do retailers do now to affect the business outcomes, to make sure the bottom line's doing really well, to boost their profitability from some of the areas we, we've talked about? Personalisation is a good one. How do they apply personalisation to make more money? I mean, I think one of the things that we're helping our clients with at the moment is helping them understand the different customer segments that they're, they're dealing with so that they can personalise and provide a different service to the different customer groups. So mm-hmm. we have some really interesting um, AI, AI data analytics which can drill into our clients' customer 
um, transactional data to help us understand what it is that they're looking for. Yeah. And, it, and it provides some really interesting um, insights into their customers, things that you wouldn't see by just manually um, trawling through that data. Uh, that's one of the ways I think uh, retailers are going to have to now learn to operate yeah, yeah. so they can provide a different service to different customers. Yeah, Is that new? I mean, the, the analytics has been around for a while, but are you able to get deeper and deeper into it and throw up more insights and revelations as far as the customer base is concerned? Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's that application of the AI technology that allows the software effectively to drill into the data and explore the data in ways that we wouldn't have thought of or can't yeah. do just manually. Yeah. I think historically it would have been somebody sitting looking at a spreadsheet. Yes, yes. Which, endlessly. Yeah, yeah mm. which you, you can only get a certain amount of insight from it, whereas a machine, a piece of artificial intelligence can trawl through so much more data so much faster and throw out pieces that actually a human being may have missed. Yeah. Um, that you can then use to, to almost proactively intervene into conversations yeah. because you can hit a, into problems before they almost become well, a problem. Well, that's, that's a really good example. How would you then use that data and that analytics to improve the customer experience, to step in, as you say, and influence a sale, ultimately to influence a business outcome? So, so there's always that, that stitching and the seamless sort of pitch between the machine into the human being, and it's mm. how do we deliver the information back to an agent or deliver the information back to a bot mm. so that they can intervene into the customer and they can anticipate what the customer is going to say. Yeah. That's where we turn a, a nameless, faceless conversation into a personalized interaction with a customer yeah. so that they go, actually, you know me, you got me, yep. you yep. understood my problem, and you were able to resolve it. Yeah think then sorry go on Charlie no, I was, was going to say um, just picking up on that I was thinking about a specific example that we're, where we're currently uh, doing a piece of work looking at identifying uh, a particular group of customers for one of our clients who are likely to get into debt yes and then we're actually setting up our outbound team to proactively contact those customers to help them prevent get prevent them getting into debt yeah. and it's and it's providing the agents with the whole history of that customer and the logic that we've applied to understand why we think they might be getting into debt so they can have a conversation with the customer about their life yeah. effectively yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a really interesting little pilot mm. that we're doing there to to help and what we know is from that particular client that those customers who are more likely to get into debt are uh, 1.7 more times likely to contact us. Mm. So we're hopefully reducing the amount of contact we're getting in. Right. And they're one and a half my t times more likely to complain. Yeah. So we're hopefully right. reducing those complaints because we're, we're dealing with their problem before it becomes a problem. Right. Right. Um, what, no, pressure is probably in the wrong word, but what does this mean for agents? who was sitting on the other end of the phone, who now have all this extra data coming into yeah. them, they need to respond to it. How are they, I guess, improving the, how they do their job and how are they leveraging this data to deliver a better experience for, for clients? I think the, the role of our agents, our colleagues who sit on the front line, has changed so dramatically in the last 10 right. years. Right. It used to be that 80% of their work was transactional queries. Yep. And it was very simple and it was relatively painless and very quick. All of those elements are now done digitally and the customer doesn't need you for that what the customer now needs you for are the more personal conversations the difficult conversations so we're equipping our guys on the front line with the right tools and almost mindsets to help them yep. deal with that so we've partnered very heavily across the whole of customer management with blue sky yep. um, and reimagine today has been our new way of thinking mm. is probably the best way to, to describe it and 
everybody within our operations has gone through that and is embedding that. So it's all about asking the right sort of curious questions, being mm. passionate, being present, having the right mindset as you talk to the customer, remembering that the customer is a human being, mm. whether it's your grandma, your auntie, would you speak to them yeah, in, in, in a way. different way? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also making sure that our agents, uh, we equip them with the ability to take accountability mm. because the customer just wants you to fix their problem. Mm. And if you know that, if they know that you, they're in safe hands with you, that you've taken the accountability and you will fix it, that's how we head off the complaints. That's how we, we make sure that people feel that they've come through to the right person who's going to solve it for them. Yeah, and that's how you secure loyalty. And Absolutely. that's how you secure long-term relationships with that customer yes. and further sales down the road. Yeah. I think that's, that was one of the points I was going to raise. There are some real hard benefits that come out of that. So although it sounds like it's very nice and soft and fluffy, actually it delivers real benefit for the business. Yeah. Uh, where we've rolled out that training, we've seen our clients' NPS figures increase significantly. Yeah. We've seen customer retention improve, these type of real important you know, commercial things that yeah. we're driving yeah. out with that. And, and we're starting to help our partners understand that actually getting things right first time can be at times much more important than, than getting rid of a call quickly. Yes. Yeah. Because if we don't have the repeat call, then it improves their business outcomes immensely. Yeah, yeah. But all of this is engaging in a world which for retailers is getting more and more complex. You know, they have complaints and perhaps more complex complaints to deal with. They have regulatory issues. There's a whole back office piece. You know, they're, they're sitting on top of this massive pile of difficult things to wrangle. Um, so how does Capita help them manage all of that? How does it help them dig into that and get better business outcomes as a result? That's pretty much our job. That's the job that we do day in, day out, and we work collaboratively with our clients and we understand which are the biggest journeys that are creating the most problem and yeah. the most pain for the customer. What can we do to help redesign it? What parts of the machine whether it's it's automation whether it's different channels whether it's different tools for the agents can we deploy mm -hmm. that makes that journey smoother faster slicker less effort for yeah, the customer yeah, yeah. and yeah. Charlie you're going to say always got your eyes on the horizon <laughs> exactly that's right I mean what I was going to say actually one of the things that Joe and I are, are, are always doing is we're um, looking into our clients operations and the operations we provide for our clients and looking at how do we improve that customer experience yeah. and we kind of take a holistic approach so we've spoken a lot about data we've spoken a lot about technology and we've spoken about our advisors, and it's bringing all of those together in a holistic way that we deliver the best customer experience for our clients' customers, effectively. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you, both of you, for coming and joining us on your complicated rail journeys <laughs> to the sunny climbs of Manchester. Sit around the table. It's been great talking to you. Thank, Thank you. you so Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it.